and we've been married 50 years. Amen. I'm thankful for that. What a blessing. Woo! All by the grace of God. God is good in me. Yeah, I tell you, I, I remember I was like 23 years old. We got married. Claudia was like 12. <laughs> We've been in the ministry the entire time. After we got married immediately, I was still working on a master's degree at Bob Jones University. I had another year. We got married and we were going every weekend to help a church in High Point, North Carolina. Youth and music had a wonderful time. Then God led us to do a number of things, which I'll show you just as succinctly as possible. We call our ministry Press On Ministries. Thanks for the song choir. Wow, that was a blessing. Church planting assistance is what we have been doing just the last few years, actually few, 22 or three years of our 50 years of marriage. We've been helping plant churches in America from scratch and then assisting churches. Our home church is Burge Terrace Baptist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's where we send our biblical giving, tithes and offerings. And they're our mission board. They help us as we're on the road in many different places. They send our mail to us. Here's our life just quickly. We planted our first church in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, suburb of Milwaukee, 1974. We planted the church. You notice we were married in 73. One year later, we planted Falls Baptist Church. We were there for 12 years. We helped them find a pastor before we left. His name is Wayne Van Geldren Jr. He's still there. Lord willing, we're still here, still alive. The rapture hadn't taken place. We'll be celebrating the 50th anniversary of Falls Baptist Church in 2024, just next year. The Lord's done some amazing things at that church and God is good. 1986 to 95, we were on the road in full-time evangelism, pulling fifth wheels coast to coast and preaching uh, almost every night and in camps and missionary mission fields really around the world. Then God led us to plant another church. Evangelists in the New Testament not only encourage and kind of tune up churches, but they plant churches. And we went off the road, planted a church in Franklin, Tennessee, suburb of Mill, no, suburb of Nashville. Not, not, uh, south of Nashville, where all the country music uh, singers live, and north of us, one suburb, where all the contemporary Christian musicians do their recording. Planted a church there. We were there till 2001. Then God very, we helped to build a building, by the way. It's there. We love to go back and visit. 2001, God circumstantially made it clear, Dave, you need to help young couples in America planting churches. You know how hard it is. You know how lonely they can be. Go help them. We helped that church in Franklin find a new pastor. We went on the road as deputating missionaries, as Pastor mentioned a minute ago, and we've been doing that ever since the year 2001. And in that time, here's some of the places we've helped start churches from scratch. I think we've planted 25 or 30 independent Baptist churches coast to coast, but also helped some churches uh, in various ways. And I'll mention that in just a second or two. Had the privilege of preaching on mission fields, uh, and especially our ministry has been starting churches from scratch in this country. We didn't realize this in our ministry, but when we leave a church we've helped start, 
then we're, we're heart tied into them. And we pray for them. We occasionally go back and hold a meeting for them. Uh, certainly I'm available. We talk on the phone, email, whatever, text. Uh, if a pastor has a question or a need, maybe I might be able to put some input. And uh, we have more fun than we deserve. We have churches out there now that are in temporary locations. Some of them are building buildings. Some of them have built buildings. And God is good. He continues to work. I won't tell you the story of all these. That's not the point this morning. But there's a story in every one of those. Including I can see souls that were saved at the very first service. I tell you what we're doing a lot now folks. We're, we're, we're going and helping churches that need a tune up. Maybe they're in transition of uh, they have a new building. They need to kind of rebrand themselves in the community. Uh, we'll help them do that. Maybe they even have a new pastor. And some of these churches and people that we know over the years, if they get a new pastor, Claudia and I will go in and just be in the background helpers. Lead the singing and uh, teach a little bit if they want it and help them with the transition in finding a new pastor. Some cases we've helped churches that we know of that the pastor it's cancer. He has chemotherapy and we're there while he is recovering. Maybe the pastor is gone. I'm thinking of maybe a guy who's uh, he's a lieutenant colonel. He was deployed to the Middle East because he's uh, also a soldier, so to speak. And we filled in at his church there in Phoenix. That's Mike Sproul in Chandler, Arizona. Interim pastor. This is an amazing need in this country right now. There are many churches now Good, solid churches just like yours that don't have a pastor. And there's a wonderful ministry for older guys in the ministry who just don't want to quit. They want to serve the Lord in some way. And they'll go into these churches. They'll teach. They'll preach. They'll do some healing if need be and help them find a new pastor. And it is indeed a real need today. We're constantly working on ways to fulfill the Great Commission. How do we get the gospel out? How do we challenge people that the main marching order of the local church is the Great Commission? We're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. So we write. Uh, Claudia is a tremendous, wonderful writer of Bible study books for ladies. And uh, there's my track. Uh, tells how I got saved when I was a junior at Bob Jones University. Uh, there's my book, Press On, uh, 10 chapters just of encouragement to keep doing what God's called you to do in the Christian life. And also there's my CD. Uh, it's called Great Is Thy Faithfulness, fully orchestrated. And when we went back on the road, we had it digitally remastered, took my voice off, put on George Beverly Shea. It's a blessing. You'll like it. Oh, yeah. You know, I just thought of something. I have in my trunk. <laughs> I learned this in New York. Sell stuff out of my trunk. I have in my trunk <laughs> some real Rolexes. Really? I'm not kidding. Uh, some books, some of my books and some of my CDs and uh, I may bring them in here, you know, after the service, while you're having lunch, put them on a table or something. And I'm not selling them. I'm just giving them away. If you want them, take them. Uh, do leave us your bank routing number and your social security number. You know, you know just you know, identification purposes. And uh, that'll, that'll be out there and you can have them. By the way, if you want to contribute in any way to our ministry, we're now involved in radio. And God is working there. And so maybe you want to give a little bit. I hate to say anything about getting money out of you guys. I see you're raising money for your new building and you support us so, uh, so faithfully. But if you should 
feel led to put five bucks on the table or something, that'd be wonderful. Or 5,000, just three seats. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> During COVID, we happen to be at our home. We have a house in East Tennessee, a town called Crossville between Knoxville and Nashville. We were at home and it worked out so wonderfully. We were helping a church not far from us and uh, they only had about 10 people left in their church. So even according to the pandemic rules, we could help them. We helped them that entire year. And during that time, I learned how to do the software for uh, recording and started a 15-minute weekly broadcast and also a five-minute devotional broadcast. There are some stations in the Caribbean that use the five minutes in and out of the news, etc. Our primary network is vcyamerica.org. It is a great app. We love the app. It's, it's solid music. Uh, and they even have a strong political, conservative political uh, slant, keep you in, uh, informed there. 70 plus FM stations. Now not AM, they're there too, but they're FM. That means they reach a lot of people. Recently, I think we added a station in Manhattan. And that just gives me goosebumps to think I can sit in front of a microphone, I can preach the truth and know that a station, even a small one in Manhattan, uh, has the potential to reach millions and millions of people. And of course, it's all by God's direction, His sovereign leadership, that the right people listen. Here's some, we've had some responses from these countries. Don't be too impressed. It's not that they all sent us letters, but you know how it is with live streaming and with the net. Apparently, some folks in these countries have at least looked at our website. And I'm so thankful your pastor has helped me over the years in keeping that website the way it ought to be, and it needs improvement now. The potential for this ministry, I believe, is tremendous. Only God knows what it can be and who we can reach. So we're taking it one step at a time. We also are podcasting in those areas. That's our website, and that's my email. So I would appreciate if you would pray for us. Uh, pray that God will do His work through our ministry as we basically stumble around the country and seek to help churches. We just got through helping a church in Charleston, South Carolina, and we are headed, I'm not sure where, for the fall. I have learned over the years that uh, I don't commit to helping a church until almost the last minute because what will happen is I'll say to a guy, yeah, we'll help you. We'll be there in September. And then somebody calls me in August, Brother Barbara, help. We're about to fold. Can you please help us? And I'll want to go there. So there are possibilities for the fall. You guys that get our newsletter, I'm sure you read it, hopefully, and you pray for us, and you will see where we are and what we're doing in the days ahead. Colossians chapter 1. Let's go there. Colossians chapter 1. Okay, I'm looking at my watch here. We should be done by Tuesday. Not a problem. We saw on the screen the text read from the book of Colossians. 
As you know, probably here, I'm sure, knowing your pastor, Colossae, as a, uh, a Roman in a Roman province of Asia, we'd look at modern day Turkey. It's in the same area. We'd have the seven churches, the book of Revelation. It's about 100 miles east of Ephesus in that part of the world, church at Colossae. It was planted there by a man called Epaphras. That's down in verse 7. As you also learned of Epaphras, pronounce that any way you want to. <laughs> Epaphras, Epaphras, whatever. Uh, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister? He's your pastor. Now, probably here's what happened. Probably Epaphras traveled to Epaphras traveled to Ephesus, the city where Paul was at that time. Spent about three years preaching there. And he probably heard the gospel under Paul's ministry. And then God led him to be a church planter. So he goes and plants the church at Colossae. And uh, the letter here is being written really to talk about a dangerous heresy that's going on. Paul heard about that and he was imprisoned in Rome, writing the prison epistles. And uh, he gets some news that there are horrible things happening in this church that he loved there in Colossae. There's a heresy that basically said, God is good, but matter is evil. Does that ring a bell? God is good, but stuff is bad. It later became what we call Gnosticism as it developed. So, with that in mind, Paul writes to warn them about this heresy. And this book talks a lot about the deity of Christ. Christ was not just a man, he's God. He talks about some deep uh, salvation terms like redemption, uh, regeneration. Uh, he talks about uh, the, the danger of following just the Jewish dietary laws, that was one of the problems, part of the heresy that they were learning. Uh, he talks about forgiveness. He talks a lot about the church. I want to focus for a few minutes on one verse in chapter 1. I was preaching on the island of Antigua, preached in 10 different churches, 10 meetings, helped them start a college. And while I was there, I was just reading Colossians chapter 1. And this one verse jumped out of the page. It's happened to you before. And God used it in my life to encourage me. It's verse 17. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. And he, that's Jesus, is what? Before all things. And by him, that's Jesus, all things do what? They consist. Consist. And he is before all. Not some things, but all things. And by him, all things consist. When the Bible says he is before all things, that means, folks, he got here first. When the Bible tells us that by all him, all things are held together, that tells me that Jesus got here first. Uh, when the Word of God tells us that Jesus in this whole passage, and we don't take the time to open the whole passage, he, he is above everything, He existed before everything else, then Jesus can say, I got here first. Do you remember when you were a kid? 
you're a first grader, and the teacher said, all right, I'm going to dismiss the class, and I want you to go out in the hallway to get a drink of water. If I was in the class and the teacher said that, you know what I would do? Well, I would kill no one. I would jump up out of my seat, run out in the hallway, get in line because I wanted a drink of water, and everybody would come behind me, and I'd look, and I'd say, I got here first. I got here first. I claimed, and it was true, that I had some rights because I got there first. When we read that verse, and we put in our hearts this morning that Jesus Christ got here first, we're really studying a deep doctrine, and I'm not cerebral enough to teach it, but it's this simple. The eternality of Jesus Christ. He's eternal. He always has been. Always will be. It is not true that when God dropped a little baby out of heaven into the manger on that day, Jesus Christ came into existence. No, he was already in existence. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Hey, think about the, I saw this verse in Sunday school on the outline, Micah 5.2, the Christmas verse. It says this, you know it, but you, thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, I mean, you're just a little town, yet out of you, Bethlehem, shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Everlasting. There's the prophecy. He'll be the ruler, he'll be Jesus, and he always has been and always will be. He was before John the Baptist, even though John the Baptist was his forerunner on earth. He was before Abraham. John 8, 58 says, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Revelation twenty two thirteen, 13, I am the Alpha, first letter in the Greek alphabet, Omega, ending, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now think about this. This is a little bit too deep for me right now. But uh, somebody said, since he is before all things, he is before even time. Amen. Glad you get it. Amen. Explain it to me afterwards. From after, he's from eternity. He always has been in existence. Let's just think for a few minutes about how that applies to our life. Look at verse 1 in Colossians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We can stop there. That tells me that the writer of this book is named Paul. You know, originally his name was Saul. You know, his conversion on the road to Damascus. Uh, how, how did Paul get here in the first place? Did God just miraculously say, poof, you know, like light? No. He was born. Paul. You know what? Same thing with you. Same thing with me. There was a day when we were born. That's our birthday. And we can say as we look back at our birthday and all things that accompany us becoming a human being, Jesus says, I got here first. Psalm 139, just listen, 14 and 15 says this. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. 
My frame, body, was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. The psalmist is saying, before I was born, Jesus knew what I would be like. He knew how long these arms would be. I'm not going to get mad at God because I'm just not tall enough. You know, you made a mistake. Uh, he knew just how big this Italian nose would be and these ears, you know, Dumbo would be jealous. <laughs> he knew all about, he knew what spiritual gifts I would have. He knew what personality, what maybe lack of personality, God uses anything. He knew all about me. And the psalmist did not say, boy, Lord, you made a mistake. He said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know why? Because Jesus said, Dave, I got there first. Jesus used this very principle in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember in Matthew 6, he said, anxious care, worry, 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 don't, worry, don't have it. And he said, one reason you shouldn't have anxious care, he said this, take no thought for your life. And then he really went on to imply, where'd you get your life? Where did your life come from? If God, by his grace, gave you life and brought you into this world, don't you think he'll give you what you need to sustain life? Don't you think that as a new assistant pastor, let's pray, you know. You take all the assistant pastors in the world and lay them end to end around the equator, it'd be a wonderful thing. No, I'm just kidding. Just like attorneys. And anyone who comes into a situation brand new is wondering, can I do this? Can I really get to know all these people? Can I really be used of God here? Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. You know why? Because Jesus says, I got here first. Look in the text of verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Redemption, that's just one of the many words that describe being born again, receiving Christ as Savior. So, when's the day you got saved? When did you bow your head by simple faith and put all your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ? When did you do that? Where were you? You know why you were there? God put you there. And Jesus says, I got here first. I mean, I was here in this Bible study room before you came in, put your Bible down and heard the gospel. Uh, I was here uh, in the church service even before you came in and sang some songs and didn't know anybody, but I opened your heart and you came to me in salvation. Jesus said, wherever you were when you got saved, I got there first. How about verse 9? And I love this one. I bank on this. Paul says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Praise the Lord, he's praying for him. And to desire that ye might be filled with what? Knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Where do we get knowledge? Where do we get wisdom? Where do we get spiritual understanding? We get it from the word of God. But who helps us understand the truth? Who helps us understand the sermon today and what we're talking? It's the Holy Spirit of the living God. And Jesus can say, I got here first. I cannot tell you how many times in our ministry that someone has come to me and said, Brother Dave, did you have a camera in my house? 
You've got to be careful now because I could say, yes, <laughs> it's possible now. But I, no, I just preached what God told me to preach. I said what he told me to say. And uh, if it applied to you, praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. He brought you here so you could hear it. So when I open the Bible in the morning, I say, Lord, speak to me afresh and anew. I can rejoice that Jesus is already here. He got there first. He knows exactly what I need. Claudia, her dad was Otis Holmes. Some of you know him. Some of you old, older folks, you know, just like me. A lot of us are, we're, we're almost dead, aren't we? Won't be long, we'll be gone. We're old. But uh, you remember when uh, God used Otis Holmes and, uh, to help start this church. Claudia and I just drove by, coming here, where I believe you guys met the very first time. And I remember being there many years ago. When Claudia was four years old, she got saved. She received Christ as her personal Savior when she was four. You say, Brother Dave, oh, wow, didn't you get time to teach her systematic theology, you know, and help her to understand whether she's in for or in a super lap or whatever? <laughs> no. She heard her daddy, a Baptist preacher, preach the simple gospel from the time she was in the crib. And so when she got to be four years old, she probably knew more about theology than some of us know now after many years. And she was ready to come to Christ. There were times before she got saved, she was in the service, her dad would preach the gospel, give the invitation, she want to go forward, and her mom wouldn't let her. You know, hey, you know you're only three years old. You know, I don't know. Claudia told me on that day when she got saved, the Holy Spirit worked in her heart. She felt the weight of her sin her need to be born again. And she looked and her mother wasn't looking. So she took off and went forward and received Christ. Why didn't that happen? Jesus says, I got there first. Verse 13, verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, delivered us from the power of darkness. That is, we face darkness constantly, don't we? I used to wonder, when I was in my early 20s, back Civil War some years ago, I used to wonder. I see an old guy preach, and I'd say, I wonder if you, when you get to be that old, I wonder if it's just easy now to serve the Lord and you don't struggle with temptations that I'm struggling with here in my 20s. Well, I'm there now, and I can say to the younger guys and anybody in this room, it doesn't get easier. Yes, as you grow in the Lord, you hate sin more. You do not tolerate sin maybe like you used to in your early days. Your heart is broken when you stumble in any way whatsoever. But the flesh does not get any better. It doesn't improve as you grow closer to the Lord. So I rejoice that in any temptation, when I'm facing the power of darkness, I can remember that Jesus Christ got here before the demon who's whispering in my ear. Jesus got here first before that outward attempt to cause me to sin. He's here. He's eternal. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. By the way, that word consist in the English is from a Latin word, consistere. It's an infinitive. It means to hold together. By Jesus, everything's held together. 
He's in control. He holds all. You say, why doesn't this world just completely fall apart like it appears to be right now in our country and others? Because God is in control. He is a sovereign God. And it is the Lord Jesus by His power who holds all together. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, one thing Jesus said we ought to pray is this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If we're going to be led into, away from temptation, led not into temptation, we must have what? Must have a leader. That's deep, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm praying, Lord Jesus, lead me not into temptation. And I see my leader. He's the Son of God. He's God the Son. He conquered death in the grave, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead. So I can claim 1 John or 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taken me, but such is as common to man. God will be faithful. He'll not allow me to be tempted above that I am able, but give me a way to escape. Why? Jesus says, I got here first. Do you ever struggle with the will of God? Well, sure you do. I can think of at least three major decisions I made in ministry life over the 50 years of ministry. And in each of those, as I struggled, God used the Word of God. He used counsel outside of myself. Uh, he used, indeed, the voice of the Holy Spirit to lead me and direct me. Look again uh, at verse 9. Toward the end there, it says, knowledge of His will. With every decision that we must make, we say, Lord, I'm so confused. Woo, I've got this open door here for this job in this part of the country. Uh, I've got this uh, uh, girl that I kind of would like to date. Is that your will? Uh, Lord, I've got this major that maybe you want me to change to. Uh, Father, I've got some extra funds that have come in. I don't know what to do. You're looking for the will of God. With every one of those, we can say, wait a minute. The Lord Jesus already knows. You know why? He is before all things. By Him, all things consist. And then, of course, we can rejoice in our desire to fulfill the Great Commission, when we feel the wonderful, glorious pressure, and I don't want it ever to stop in my life, that God has saved us and left us alive for a few years so we can do what? Proclaim the truth of the gospel. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, post-resurrection appearance. He looks at the disciples. He's the CEO of Christianity. And he says, Terry here in Jerusalem... Holy Spirit will come upon you, and ye shall be skilled Bible expositors unto me. Praise the Lord for Bible exposition. I love it. And when I pastor a church for a long time, that's what I do. One verse at a time, one chapter at a time. That edifies that bill. But that's not what Jesus said to do. He said the Holy Spirit's come, and you shall be skilled Christian psychological counselors unto me. Praise the Lord for counselors. I mean, follow us around. We've been now maybe 438 or 9 different churches. I mean, different churches with pastors. Some of them have been back in several times. But you follow us around and you find out there's a great need for counseling. 
uh, counseling, not under of folks in the pews, but even leaders in churches that need counseling. The Lord says, by your grace, I will take care of you and give you wisdom. But that was not his heartbeat in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, tarry Jerusalem, Holy Ghost will come upon you, and it did, Pentecost. Ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me. Witnesses unto me. The Greek word there, martyreo, that's the verb. Witnesses, we get our word martyr. So we need to say, Lord, by your grace, put the pressure on me. Let me never escape the reason you died on the cross, that souls could come to Christ as Savior and be born again. Push me, press me, Holy Spirit. Show me uh, ways to do it. Open doors and I will follow as you lead. And oh, I can witness to this guy. I've lived next to him for 20 years. We talked about uh, sports. We talked about the weather. And if I talk about Jesus, he'll laugh at me. I'll remember that Jesus got there first. And I don't know what's happening in his heart. I don't know what God is doing. And it could be that my simple word of testimony will be the word that helps him make his decision to come to Christ. So when you're in a tough witnessing situation, rather than say, well, you know, God knows who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, so I don't have anything to do with it. Rather than doing that, say, God may know, but he's called me to be a witness to all. So, Lord, help me to do it. In this church, we just helped in uh, Charleston. We stayed in a beautiful place. The, the church put us in kind of an Airbnb-type condo thing, and it was wonderful. By the way, we're in a wonderful place this week. Thank you very much. We sincerely appreciate that. Uh, wow, it's beautiful. By the way, I do have several cousins from Mexico. They were bringing their cousins, and they'll be here this week. We'll have a good time. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, we stayed in a beautiful place there, and they have a fitness room. And Claudia and I are kind of fitness nuts, and uh, we're very, very careful about food. We've been that way for years and years and years, and if I really get into that, then I'll split the church three ways, probably, probably, so I won't do that. But I was at that little fitness thing, working out, having a great time. I was walking home outside, sweating, you know, ready to get home, take a shower, and I saw a young lady uh, on the hood of her car. She wasn't up there, but she was leaning over it. She had some windshield wipers, and she had those little things, those little adapters, you know, you get in the windshield wipers, and you don't know who, what goes where, and I've been there. And uh, she was reading the directions, so I stopped and looked at him and said, I know what you're going through. Let me see if I can help. So, long story short, helped her to get the windshield wipers on, said a word or two about her soul. The Holy Spirit opened the door, and there she said, I've been wondering about this for a long time now. I'm an EMT. Hey, if you're an emergency medical technician, that means you see death or people close to death all the time. Her heart was open. And there, Jordan bowed her head right there in front of that car and by simple faith, like a little child, asked Jesus to be your Savior. Oh, yes, you can do that. It can happen if the Holy Spirit opens your heart. Why did that happen? Jesus says, hey, Dave, I got here first. I was already here. And I had the circumstance set up, her heart open. You just got to be here at the right time and have the privilege of seeing her come to Christ as Savior. 
I love Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So when we all in God's time begin to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we get close to the time when we have the privilege of leaving this sin-cursed earth and going home, we can rejoice. We might be in hospice. We might be in chemotherapy. We might be in the emergency room. But we'll know that we're close to coming home. And we can say, Jesus said, I got here first. I'm here with you in this hospital room. I'm here with you uh, in this house. I'm here with you after this accident. I'm here with you as you face the trials and difficulties of going through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Colossians 1.17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He holds it all together because he got here first. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, thank you for listening so well to God's word this morning. For I have a word of closing prayer. Give the service to the pastor. I'd like to ask you just a couple of questions. I wonder who'd say, Brother Dave, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God. But the devil has been bugging me lately. And I've been worried about some things that I realize now I really don't need to worry about them. And I want to yield this to the Lord this morning. And I want to rejoice even in silent prayer that Christ got here first. God spoke to me in a specific area I'll talk to the Lord about it in silent prayer right now. Christian, did God do that in your heart? Slip up your hand if he did. I want to pray with you and rejoice with you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes in you. Anyone? Anyone? Oh, yes, ma'am. Wonderful. Amen. God knows your heart. And God hears you as you pray. Anybody need to be born again this morning? Anyone say, you know, I'm just not really sure what's going to happen when I die. I've heard the truth before. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. I know Jesus paid it all on the cross, raised from the dead for victory, but I've never by simple faith called on the name of Jesus. And just like Jordan standing in front of her car this last week, like a little child, the best I know how, I want to ask Jesus to be my Savior from hell forever. Anybody need to be born again this morning? Slip up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I will not call out your name. Doesn't make you a Christian. Doesn't make you a Baptist. If you raise your hand, doesn't make you a member of this church. But if you raise your hand, you're saying, Brother Dave, I'm just not really sure I've trusted Jesus. And I don't want the devil to take me to hell. I want to put my trust for heaven in Christ right now. Now, if God's speaking to your heart like that, it's because Jesus got there before even you got into this room. <laughs> Is there someone? Pray for me. Not sure I'm a Christian. I want to settle it this morning. Anyone at all? Father, thank you for sending the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the price that he was willing to pay on the cross. Lord, we indeed struggle in this body of flesh and we fight the devil constantly but Lord it's certainly nothing compared to what Jesus faced for us in paying the penalty offering us eternal life I pray for 
folks who raised their hand a minute ago, you know each heart, each life. I pray that even as I talk to you, they'll do the same thing. Admit, confess a sin if need be. Make a wonderful new promise to you to just remember that, Lord Jesus, you're before all things. Give them peace, grace. If they need help further, pray they'll have wisdom to seek that help. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Let us enjoy your presence all throughout this day as we worship you. And we'll praise you for that. In thy name we pray. Amen.